0: Well, as Matt said, we are in a church that tries to walk through the circle of the Christian year. And tonight we are in an epiphany. And the word means reveal. And Christ reveals himself both to the Magi, but also at the baptism. And This year, I'd like to focus on a specific question that often comes up when we read this passage, and that is what is the difference between John's baptism and Jesus' baptism? John the Baptist comes onto the scene. He looks very much like an Old Testament prophet. Uh, He preaches a message of repentance and baptism to the people of Israel. And the people are so impressed and so many people respond that they start to wonder, is this the Messiah? Is this the Christ? And John says, no, I'm about to show you who the Messiah is. And then John says in verse 16, and we can go ahead and put this one up. Yeah, that'll be where we camp today. I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So Jesus' baptism is somehow superior to John's baptism. But in what way? Well, let's think a little bit about what John's baptism might have been. Uh, a few verses earlier, he tells this mostly leadership group from Israel, hey, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Don't just say, we have Abraham for our father. For I tell you, God can take these stones and raise up children for Abraham. And what he's saying to the children of Israel, particularly the leaders of Israel, is, and this I think would apply to many southern Christians, Hey, you may have been born into this thing, your family may have traditions, Uh, this may be your culture, you may be a part of a civil religion, but faith in God is a personal thing. You need to to turn from a life of dependence upon culture and tradition to a faith in the living and true God, and you symbolize that through baptism. So that's what John's baptism is. Was all about. It was the last great renewal movement in the Old Covenant. It's a beautiful renewal. It was sincere. But it was a very different renewal than the one that Jesus will bring because John says Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Spirit's present in the Old Testament. The Spirit's present in creation. The Spirit falls on prophets, gives them words to speak. The Spirit anoints kings to lead. But the Spirit never dwells in a believer's heart in the Old Covenant. It was always external and the spirit would come and go and move on. And Jesus says I'm about to do something really, really different. And I I just think this this is one of the most important things we can stop to think about in the whole Christian life. This really is the foundation of 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 what it means to be a Christian. So let's just kind of sit with it slowly for a minute and and, and let it sink in. Fast forward three years. Jesus is uh, risen from the dead. He's meeting with the disciples. They gather. He's preparing them for for his leaving. And he says in Acts 1, verse 4, uh, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, But to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So now we're we're within a couple of days of the end of the Old Covenant. And Jesus says, I am about To make it possible for you to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit that no one has ever experienced before. He knew, as his listeners would have known, that the prophets had said that there would be a new day when the Spirit would not just fall on the people of God, but would indwell the people of God. That's a big difference, isn't it? And here are two prophecies that any thoughtful Jewish person would have known at this time. This one from Ezekiel. I will give you a new heart, God says, and a new spirit, and look at where he'll put the spirit. I will put within you, and I'll cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Now there's another one from the prophet Joel. Joel. That everybody would have been thinking about. And in the last days it shall be God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit. So the the wise prophets of Israel looked forward to this day when the Spirit would come into the lives of the people of God in a whole new way. And that happens on the day of Pentecost. Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, It filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. You see the fire there? Uh, Fire is a symbol of cleansing and purity in the Old Covenant. And so the Spirit comes upon these believers to... Empower them and cleanse them and purify them. And and the rest of the New Testament kind of unwraps this beautiful package of what happens because of this gift of the Spirit. Um, Let's just look at a couple, and you could look these up later, we won't look them up tonight, but these are just a few of the ministries of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life today. The Spirit gives life. The Spirit gives power for mission. The Spirit gives spiritual gifts. The Spirit washes and cleanses us from sin. The Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit guides, leads, and reveals. The Spirit empowers us to overcome spiritual opposition. The Spirit causes a river of living water to flow from our hearts. The Spirit brings the peace and joy of the kingdom into situations. The Spirit assures us that we are God's children. So when we become a believer in Jesus Christ, we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, We are sealed in the Holy Spirit. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to end by looking at a very interesting story that contrasts the baptism of John with the baptism of Jesus. It's in Acts 19. And I think it helps us understand the difference between these two ways of relating to the Holy Spirit. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, well, into what then were you baptized? And they said, oh, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe on, in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in other tongues and prophesying. This is such a fascinating passage, not I know, of course, this is a unique historical situation. You don't want to build a whole doctrine off of a story like this, but I think there's a lot for us to think about here. The Ephesian disciples apparently have believed in Jesus. They're disciples. The text says that they believe, but they have not yet been baptized in the Holy, Holy Spirit. And so, what are they doing? Well, they're trying to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. <laughs> they're, they're trying to live the Christian life on their own. And, and I, I think, again, I don't think we want to take this passage and make it a doctrine because it was a unique moment in redemptive history. But I do think it can be kind of a metaphor or a parable of two different ways people live the Christian life. And actually, the book of Galatians is kind of about this. Uh, the way of the flesh versus the way of the spirit. And the, John's disciples are we might say the way of the flesh they're they're kind of still living in the old covenant and they're trying to do this christian thing to follow this jesus thing as best they can but on their own and that's not all bad their desire is sincere you can become a better person sort of on your own maybe right i mean they you can go to the self-help section in Amazon and you can have a New Year's resolution and a diet and an app to track it and a life coach and uh, special vitamins. and You can. You, you You get a little better. That's the religion of John's disciples. It's the religion of self-improvement. It's the religion of... You know, I really want to be a better dad this year. I'm gonna work harder at it. But that really isn't Christianity. It's kind of a cult of self-help. And I think one of the reasons so many people are sick of Christianity is that they're sick of a cult of self-help, that what they hear when some guy gets up in his little sweater, his, his Christmas present, is, uh, would you people try harder? Would you just try harder? Let's let's all try harder this year, okay? Oh. <laughs> I'm over trying harder. <laughs> now, see, see, Life in the spirit is not trying harder with a little Jesus juice sprinkled in. It's kind of saying, I am just, I'm done with trying. (laughs) I'm over over religion. I just, I I can't, I just can't anymore. I'm exhausted. Religion is so exhausting. It is so exhausting. See, the core message of John's baptism is try harder. The core message of Jesus' is grace. You know, I read this book this summer. It was fascinating. It was way too long, but it was fascinating. It was called uh, A Secular Age by a guy named Charles Taylor. He makes this point in a million different ways that people are figuring out how to live moral lives today without God and, 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 and even though they're maybe existentially kind of haunted, a lot of, his point is that in the West today, it's almost harder to believe in God than, than not. Whereas that was very different 500 years from now. And this is something I, I didn't think I understood when I first started out. I really do now. You know, you, you can live a pretty darn good life without Jesus. Moral life, you can you really can. There's a lot of good books out there that will help you. But that's not why we're here tonight. This is I'm not your life coach. There are no New Year's resolutions that will help. We're here tonight because we are bankrupt. Because we are helpless, because we have looked at our own shadow and revolted at the darkness that we've found there sometimes, and we know we can <laughs> we can never be the kind of person we want to be, and God wants us to be with an app. we just Our story's bigger than that. Our vision for being human is just way too big than that. Our understanding of evil is much more profound than that. We don't wanna just move deck chairs on the Titanic. We don't wanna put lipstick on a corpse. We want change, real change. And so when we come, as Christians, what we are saying is not, I will, we will. We're saying, I can't, we won't. I can't do this. I'm exhausted. I'm worn out. Even getting to church tonight about killed me, some of you are thinking. <laughs> You can be a moral person, be a good, secular, rational person, you really can. I know, one of the great ironies is that I know, I know people that don't believe in anything that seem to be much nicer than many Christians. And I know it doesn't apply to any of you, of course, but. Uh, <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about is becoming nicer. We're talking about trying to get through life fully and wholly alive and realizing I don't have the capacity to do it. And that's why Jesus gives us the Spirit. So the, the way that, he, uh, that we often start the year is by praying for a, a fresh filling of the Spirit, or I like to say a fresh baptism of the Spirit. And don't write me an email about the differences between the first and the second blessing. I know all about that. I'm just, just saying. Baptism means immerse and we can pray for a fresh immersion of the Spirit. But I like to pray biblical prayers. So I'm going to end by praying from Paul's letter to the Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 21. So just kind of settle in before we come to the table I'm going to pray for us as we start out for a fresh baptism. For this reason, we bow our knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power Through his spirit in your inner being. Oh, Father, would you do that for each of us tonight? Would you strengthen us with power in our inner being? You know what we face tomorrow morning. You know what our hearts are like on a cold, rainy day when everybody we know seems to have been exposed to COVID. Oh, right now, right now, Father, please give us the power of your spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Oh, God, God. May Christ dwell in our hearts through faith. May, oh Christ, may you live in our hearts through faith. May you find your home in our hearts through faith. May you open up every door in the internal house that is us. May we not withhold any room. May you have the key and full access to every room in our heart right now, Lord. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to, to know with all the saints the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Oh God. Oh, that we could know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Know it intimately. Know it experientially. Oh God, even right now in this moment tonight, would you let us know the love of God that surpasses knowledge? Please. Oh God, we need that. And just as you split the skies and sent the dove and said to your son, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased before he did anything. Not at the end. You didn't do that at the cross. You did it before he performed. Oh, may the grace of belovedness rest on your people tonight, Lord. Lord. May we hear you whisper, this is my beloved daughter. I am so pleased with her. This is my beloved son. I am so pleased with him. And may the voices of our boss, or our former lover, or coach, be drowned out. By the voice of your love. And then finally, we pray that you would fill us with all the fullness of God. Lord, we're like balloons, we leak. And we need you tonight, this rainy COVID t- t- night to fill us with all the fullness of God. Like I think so many of us, and I probably put myself in this number of coming here with just maybe a little balloon. Yeah, there's some air in it, but it was not a very cool balloon. And would you, Holy Spirit, just, just... Expand the balloon. Fill us up, fill us up, fill us up with all the fullness of God. And we ask all of this expectantly. In your name, Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Oh, let us give them-